Psalm 119, verse 169 and following, Give me understanding according to thy word. Our subject this morning is the marks of grace. The marks of grace. So we make our entrance into the last room of this wonderful 22-roomed mansion. Each verse in this last section begins with the Hebrew letter, the last Hebrew letter, Tav. The letter is made by two strokes of the pen and anciently it looked like an axe or a plus sign. It seems to be represented by putting two sticks on top, one top of the other and giving a unique sign. It's a letter that marks the spot. The letter represents a signature or a marker. You know what we say, Acts marks the spot. Well, this is the letter that does the mark amongst the Hebrews. It's an indicator. You know, when someone couldn't write, uh, they couldn't sign their name, they didn't know all the letters, so they made their mark. And it very often is just a simple axe, two strokes, a cross. That's how we're taking this letter, Tav, the mark. It is the last letter too. It is the sign that you've come to the end. It's the sign that you've made the journey and have reached the spot, the finished mark at the end. You remember how the Apostle Paul said that the mark is what we aim at. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The runner aims for the mark, the finish line. The man who shoots his arrow, he aims for the mark, for the spot. And this is what this letter, this cross, it makes us think of the cross. And we'll come to that. But there is an interesting use of the word in Ezekiel chapter 9, which is why we read Ezekiel chapter 9, because we read there that this man who had the inkhorn, he was to go through Jerusalem and to set a mark upon the foreheads. And that word mark is tav. It's the name of this letter. So a tav, a mark, a cross or whatever, was set upon their foreheads to identify them. So the people had the Tav, the sign that they were saved, the sign that they were belonging to the Lord, the sign that they had the marks of grace in their life. And what we're thinking about this morning is that the Christian, the child of God, has certain marks in their life, or ought to have, that identify them. The marks of grace. They ought to have signs and signatures and seals that set them apart and show them to be different. And of course, externally we do. Because we all, as Christians, have the mark of baptism. 
That's a very basic, isn't it, in obeying God and receiving this, this mark, this external mark, because baptism isn't, and the mark of baptism remains. It doesn't have to be repeated and ought not to be repeated. It's a mark you receive only once. And once is sufficient for this mark. And the waters of baptism can never be dried away. The mark remains. And we often ought to think upon our baptism, that one mark, that one sign. And all Christians have received that sign in their life at one point or other. But today I am talking about the internal marks, not the external marks. And that's the way I want to take this room. We have to find a unifying theme uh, being drawn from the letter. And I want to think about the mark, the sign of grace. The believer wants to see marks of progress. The believer wants to see signs that he's going on with God. He wants to know that he's reaching certain spots in his pilgrimage of going on with God. And David is thinking about the spots, the marks, I think, in this section. He refers to them. If he hasn't got them in his life as he would like, he prays that he might have more and more of these marks in his life. And the child of God should search his heart and life. There's no harm in checking our progress and searching our lives and see that certain sinful passions are, are decreasing and getting less and that certain signs of holiness are increasing and getting greater. So we, we are to look for the marks. Remember how Peter said, giving all diligence add to your faith, virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance, temperance patience and, and so on. That, that's a description of progress. That's a description of reaching certain marks and attainments in the Christian life. Knowledge marks the spot. Patience marks the spot. Temperance marks the spot. Virtue marks the spot. Gentleness and meekness mark the spot. So let us look then at the marks in David's life. The spots that he desires to reach. In verse 169, I take the word understanding. Give me understanding according to thy word. David wants to have this mark in his life. He wants to be a follower of the Lord who is progressing in Understanding, spiritual understanding that is. The kind of understanding that only the word of God imparts. Give me understanding according to your word. There is of course an understanding of worldly affairs. An understanding of the things of the world that men without grace can have. There is an education that is short of a spiritual understanding. 
There are many people who have the degrees and the diplomas. They've got their marks of education in their life. But there is a Christian knowledge. A Christian understanding of the things of God and of the eternal and the invisible and the real and the true. And not just the frivolous and the material and the visible and the passing. The psalmist here prays, indeed he cries, let my cry come near before thee, O Lord, give me understanding. He cries that the Lord would be his teacher and lead him along the path of life so that he's obtaining progressive signs of being spiritually mature to reach the spot where you understand the ways of God. To reach the spot where you come to see, even in all the calamities of life, that all things work together for good to them that love God. To reach the spot, no matter what is falling around you and beside you, to reach the spot where you know God is in control and ruling over all. To have this understanding. To know that in all the trials. That there is even in them divine purpose. Do you have that understanding? Or do you act spiritually immature in trials and difficulties? Do you lose the head? Do you lose the calmness? Do you become agitated and angry? That is not the sign of spiritual understanding. And David knows that he comes short of this. And so he says, give me understanding, Lord, according to your word. Where are you? Whenever you're in the battle and against the subtleties of Satan, do you have understanding of his devices? Do you have understanding that the people who maybe make your life difficult are not the real enemy, but the one behind them and the one energizing them is the real enemy? Do you have understanding of this? Or do you just hit out, as it were, at the, at the instrument, at the tool, and you're not understanding and comprehending the the agent the devil we have to have understanding of the times discernment of the reality and of the situation and only the Lord can give us this so this is a sign of spiritual maturity and this is one that every child of God ought to covet have we reached that mark where we know what we need to do and where we understand what is right and what we have to do? Or are we still spiritually infantile? Children? And maybe even still carnal? Now David had this spot in his life. Remember how earlier on we saw, I understand more than the ancients because I have kept thy precepts. Remember how the Lord Jesus Christ said, Whosoever hears these sayings of mine 
and doeth them. That, that's the thing, you see, to hear them, to know them intellectually, to understand them that way, but also to do them is spiritual understanding. He that hears my words and does them, I will liken him unto a man who builds upon a rock. You see, he's building on the right spot. He's got that spot in his life. That rock of the word of God and the understanding of the word of God. And he's, he's building on the spot to the glory of God. So, I have to hit the mark in the right place to build. And that's to truly hear and to do the word of God. So God's people, we trust, have something of that mark and spot in their life. And then in in verse 170, there is another hint of spiritual progress. Because what does he say here? Deliver me. Deliverance. That's the word that I'm focusing on now. The mark of understanding, but the mark of deliverance. David wants deliverance. Deliverance from sin, of course. He wants deliverance from sin in his life. He wants victory. He wants a life of overcoming. He wants to have power over sin and over Satan. He wants deliverance from the snares of Satan and from the worldly ways and from the flesh and the sinful inclinations. Deliver me according to thy word. Everything's from the word and according to the word. The victory's through the word. You see... God promises the Christian grace. He promises to write his word on our hearts. He promises to give us the grace of overcoming and of victory. And the saint is in actual fact promised salvation from sin because the Savior saves him from sin. So he's promised deliverance from Satan. The Lord even prays that our faith not fail. And that we overcome. And God's people do. Through many ups and downs. And failures and backslidings. And losses and some defeats. But they make the progress. And they obtain the deliverance. And they have the mark of overcoming. In their life. This of course cannot be done in our own strength. The Lord commands deliverances for Jacob. But are we making progress? Are we overcoming? Have we the marks of victory in our life? Are you overcoming that anger through God's grace? Are you overcoming that pride that so easily gets into our fleshly hearts? Are we being delivered from our passions? Overcoming our, the resentment we feel? Or the bitterness? Or the lust of the vain thoughts? Or whatever? Are there signs of spiritual progress? As you grow in grace? And in the knowledge of the Lord? There is another sign of spiritual progress. In verse 171 where he says here my lips shall utter praise praise that's a good mark for a Christian to have just gratitude to God just thanking the Lord he wants to have this sign in his life 
My lips shall utter praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. The sign of one who increasingly appreciates the Lord and what the Lord has done in his life. And the Bible alone can teach us this praise. My lips shall praise when thou hast taught me thy statutes. You see, the Bible doesn't only make us good, but it makes us thankful. It gives that mark in a believer's life, the mark of praise. We ought to be characterized by praise. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. The Bible causes us to see truly what we owe to God. And do we come away from the Bible filled with praise? I wonder. Do we come away from our study of the scriptures having been revigorated and excited and filled with something of gratitude? Do we even experience something of that as we sit under the ministry of the word? Thankful to the Lord. Oh, I'm so thankful that I know the Lord. I'm so thankful of his grace in my life. Whenever we preach of grace and preach of salvation, is, is there the utterance of praise as we sit under the word? These are good marks that we ought to have in our life. Do you have this sign that you're profiting from the word of God that it is exciting you? You see, the picture here, I understand, is of a man who's well fed. The word here to utter is the word to to pour forth. In fact, in some places of the scripture, it's translated belch, belch out. Like a noise, like a burp. Behold, they belch out with their mouth. The word is sometimes used to describe fermentation. Whenever something's fermenting, the gases are coming up. And so this is like the wind of a, of a well-filled stomach, satisfied stomach. The gas, the, the, the wind belching out. That burp. Now, in our culture, we don't like to burp. But there are some cultures where it is a good sign good indication of someone's well satisfied with the, the meal that has been prepared for them and given to them and David, whenever he hears the word, there, there's this belching out of praise and it comes naturally now of course we can force ourselves to praise and we ought to do that if it doesn't come naturally, we can force ourselves to praise even as we can force ourselves to burp but it is far better if it comes naturally that we have that mark of the Lord just makes us praise him whenever we hear his word. Does something to satisfy us. It, it contents us. And we can go home praising the Lord. And You know, it's sad if you go home away with, from the word and there's other kind of fermentation taking place. Anger, resentment. Maybe taking it personal and you feel personally hurt or something and going home with, with something else belching out of your soul. That wouldn't be good. Or going home complaining or going home murmuring. No, it's better to go home belching praise because the Lord has taught us his statutes today. 
And I trust that that is a good mark we have in our lives, congregation. That we do praise him for the word and we appreciate him for giving us the Bible and all the things in us. In the next verse, we have the mark of spiritual converse. Verse 172. My tongue shall speak of thy word. Speak of thy word. That's a good mark. Whenever we're brought to speak of the word. Every Christian should strive to attain onto this. Do you remember whenever you were wee and your mommy or daddy brought you to the doctor? Open your mouth. And he would stick this big thing into your mouth and he'd choke you to death, push your tongue down and tell you to say, ah, how do you say, ah, well, that thing's stuck in your mouth. He's looking at your mouth for the signs of health. And of course, a lot can be read from our tongue and our throat and what state of health that we're in. And that's the same with, with our spiritual life. Our mouth and our throat will indicate a lot about us. Does our mouth have the mark of a healthy Christian? Does it, does it have the sign of grace? Is it a mouth that is seasoned with grace, seasoned with salt? Is it clean and pure? Or is it a bad mouth? The Bible says, A good man out of the treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. You see, it comes out. Yes, there's praise ought to come out, but there also ought to be godly conversation, speaking about the word. It's good to speak about the word on your way home. Our mouth is an indicator, a sign of godliness. Whereas lying and gossiping are are not good marks. So this is sending forth the sweetness of holy conversation. Now to speak the word is a wonderful thing, brethren and sisters. Now preachers, of course, have to do that every sermon, don't they? Every week. A couple of times a week. But spiritual speaking ought not to be confined to preachers. God's word should make us all talkers. Now, of course, that doesn't mean everybody can preach because preaching is more than just talking and it's more than just spiritual conversation. Preaching's making a meal. Uh, preaching's a bit like a chef where he has to you know, make the meal and give the people of God some kind of dinner to the best of, of his ability. Now, the people of God aren't expected to be chefs in God's house. You don't meet your people and you'll give them a three-course lunch every time you meet someone in the street. No, but you can give them a sweetie. Everybody can give someone a sweetie. And that's what the Lord means here. You know, you, you, you give a sweetie, you can speak the word. You can pass on something to sweeten someone's life, to encourage some soul, to help some poor sinner in some way or other. You get something from God's word week by week, we trust. And maybe you can leave apart something and just share that with someone through the week. Have you that mark? 
know how to give a word in season to him that's weary. So we praise him, and that marks good, and also the ability to pass it on to others in holy conversation. That's a good mark. In fact, that's a mark that brings great blessing. I dare say that's the only way revival comes and the only way revival spreads. Starts in the preaching. But the people of God, they, they go out there with, with all the sweeties. Revived and quickened and they're spreading something. It's not the preachers that spread revival, it's the saints that do it. It begins in the house of God and it begins from the pulpit ministry. But it doesn't stop there. Spreads to other churches and to other people and to people in the community when God's people are talking different. And the, the world knows it too. So it's a wonderful sign of blessing, a wonderful mark in our lives. Another mark is making right choices. Verse 173 I have chosen thy precepts. Don't you see so often today, Christians, we make so many wrong choices? How many saints have been harmed and have lost out with the Lord through wrong choices? And we make choices all the time, congregation. But do we choose the word? And do we choose the path that the word maps out and makes clear? Do I go here or there? Do I do this or that? Do I turn to the left or do I turn to the right? Do I join this church or that church? Do I marry this spouse or that spouse or whatever? It's, it's the word that is to, to lead us. To guide us. Always to go in the way of the word. I, I've chosen the way of your word. I've chosen your precepts. So the word shows the right path, doesn't it? And we should obey it and do what is in accordance with it. And so the man of God ought to have this mark in his life. I've chosen thy word. Lord, I have made thy word my choice, we sometimes sing. And not until we've done that can we expect God's help. Let thine hand help me, for I've made the right choices. And if we make the right choices, we can have the Lord's help. Whereas if we go down the wrong path, he may help us. But it may be also a case where he just leaves us to our own devices. So making wrong choices can be costly, very costly. And the greatest cost of all is to lose the helping hand of God. The next verse gives us two marks or two signs. Longed and delight. Spiritual longing, spiritual desire. I've longed for thy salvation and spiritual delight. Thy law is my delight. So spiritual desires and spiritual joys and spiritual delight, they're good thermometers of how healthy our spiritual life is. Where are our desires lying? And where are our joys and delights found? And blessed is the man who has his delight in the word of God and who longs to see more of Christ more of his grace and more of the salvation that he has obtained in his blood. So there's spiritual desire and joy here. Do we have those marks in our life? Are we contented? 
Are we hungry and thirsting just after the Lord? Lost the appetite for the things of the world? How, how are these signs progressing within us? And then it's verse 175. Let my soul live. He doesn't want the mark of deadness. He doesn't want the mark of decay. He wants the mark of freshness. The mark of life. The mark of one who has is evergreen. He doesn't want to be as it were. Barren and dry. He wants to be quickened. A quickened heart. A lively soul. An excited spirit. Let my soul live. Let it have the life of the Lord. Let it be enjoying the Lord. Let it be excited about God. And the things of God. And the worship of God. And his praises. He wants a revived heart. We can measure our temperature this way. And we have to confess we're dead at times. David is now about to leave the room. As we are brethren and sisters. Exiting this psalm. He is conscious that he has come short of the mark. Because he says in verse 176. I've gone astray Lord. Like a lost sheep. He's admitting here he has missed the mark. He is aware even though he has been 175 verses here with the Lord. At the means of grace praying before him. Unburdening his soul before him. Seeking him in so many ways. As he endeavours to grow in grace. And now at the end as he examines the marks and signs in his life. He has to confess. I've come short of the marks Lord. I've missed the mark. I've gone astray of the mark. I haven't landed on the spot. Where you want me to be. And where your word would guide me to be. I've missed the mark. I've gone astray. And we're all very much aware, brethren and sisters, that these marks of grace in our life, we haven't attained unto them the way that we would like. We don't always have the signs. Do we get depressed? Do we get discouraged? Do we become legalistic and sad? We have a shepherd who is always going after the sheep who've missed the mark. We have a good shepherd. Even when we fail and falter and don't have the signs of grace the way that we would like. We all have to come to confess. I've gone astray. I've missed the mark. So this is a confession. He's not reached the spots as he ought to have done. So Lord I've gone astray. You seek me out. You seek your servant. And of course this letter. As I said at the start. It makes us think about the cross. About the cross of our dear Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Because he went to the mark. He went to the spot. All his life was a journey from he left the heavenly glory and came into the manger and made his life throughout Israel those 30 odd years always aiming for the cross. Always aiming for the axe. Always aiming for the mark. The spot. And he didn't rest till he got to the spot. Making that aim 
And he reached the mark. He reached the cross. And he was impaled to the cross. And he was identified with the spot. As he seeks to find the sheep that have missed the spot. He didn't miss the spot. He didn't miss the place where he was to find his sheep. Though all his sheep have missed the place. He didn't. And that's how he finds us. Because there was one who had all the marks. And reached every spot. And was able to say I have finished. The work. I have done. The work. He reached the mark to forgive us for all our shortcomings. For our not reaching the mark. So we don't have these marks perfectly brethren and sisters it is true. And we never can in this life. We always come short of the glory of God. But we do not despair. We have a shepherd. Bless his name. Jesus Christ our Lord. And so David finishes with his saviour. Seek me out Lord. And so, brethren and sisters, let us never forget we're saved not by marks, not by the signs of grace. We're saved by him who reached the mark and bought us with his blood. We're saved by grace and he will bring us to himself. So to his saving grace alone be all the glory. So while we examine ourselves and search our hearts, we don't do it legally and we don't despair because we're always believing in Jesus. And to him be all glory and praise. Let us pray.